Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, I said I like you, like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. Lydia Loveless is a badass. I've been lucky enough to have a courtside seat for her evolution and watching her as she grows into the songwriter that she is today and the performer that she is today and the brave, funny, kick-ass person that she is today has been a treat. I admire her. I look up to her. I think of her as a kindred spirit. Our birthdays are two days apart. Not that that means anything. But this isn't about me. This is about Lydia Loveless. She started making records when she was 15 years old, back in Ohio. She now lives in North Carolina. She and I caught up for this interview back in December before a show in Boston where her boyfriend, Michael Casey, who's a great magician, was opening for the old 97s. And Lydia was nice enough to come out to the show and join us on stage to sing a couple of songs. And that's always a tricky thing, because if you've ever seen Lydia perform, you know that Lydia Loveless has the voice of, God, I would say an angel, but it seems like it's maybe from the other end of the spectrum. She has a monster of a voice. She is a singer for whom the word powerhouse was invented. And she writes... She writes like someone who is constantly digging into her own experiences and her own psyche, trying to figure out how she really feels about something. The songs that she puts out into the world are brave and thoughtful and weird, and the world is a better place for it. Thank God for Lydia Loveless. I'm so lucky to have her on this episode of Wheels Off. here with Lydia Loveless. Hello, Lydia. Hi. Um, so I'd like to know, what are you working on right now creatively and how does it inspire you? Um, well, I just had like a really long period of writer's block for a couple of years. So I finally just kind of forced myself to make a record a couple months ago. I booked some studio time and hoped for the best. So we went to the Wilco loft for like four days and tracked like an entire record. So now it's just in the period of like when you start mixing and doing all that stuff and like working on artwork, which is always nerve wracking at first. And then it becomes super inspiring and fun thinking about like who you're going to work with and who's going to do all the makeup. And I've been off and on writing like a screenplay for like five years, but I've been trying to work more on that recently just because I've had so much downtime so I've been like trying to read a lot of scripts and watch a lot of 
old movies <laughs> get inspired in that department. I'm fascinated by artists <laughs> that um, that work in multiple genres or drawn to different you know media. Um, I've got a couple of friends that are that I think of as songwriters that wind up doing film or writing screenplays and I yeah. just think it's so cool I mean do you feel like all the hours because you've spent thousands or tens of thousands now of hours mm -hmm. writing songs and performing do you feel like that translates those credits do they transfer I don't know if they do because I've never tried that hard at anything else so but um, I mean I've always written I've written for a really long time I'm just not as like driven about as as I'd like to be so I've, I've kind of been in like New Year spirit because it's almost the end of 2018 which is insane but um this year I did try stand-up comedy for the first time so I did that twice this year and that was kind of like well you see how hard comedians work and how intense they are about it and I was like I I should probably spread myself a bit more and just be a more well-rounded person. Did you enjoy it, the stand-up, yeah. like the live performance of it? Yeah, I mean, it's terrifying and you want to throw up before you go on. It's like way worse than playing a show. But um, once you're up there, it's, at least for me, it felt kind of invigorating. Of course, Did I only have like three minutes material. <laughs> <laughs> But you had you worked it out ahead of time, like you were. Oh yeah. You you had a set list or mm -hmm. in, the, in your brain at least. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. The construction of a joke. I mean, I wonder how much it has in common with the way we write songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it? Do you feel like you rewrite it and rewrite it until it's perfect? Yeah, with, with some of the jokes I'd had kind of banging around in my head for a while, but um, once I was actually in the process of like trying to make a routine. I was like, oh, I really have to be a little more relaxed about this or I won't be able to think of anything. Like, I don't want to be like, I was buying yogurt and you wouldn't believe. Like, not to overthink <laughs> it and try to make everything super um, scripted. Yeah, so had to be a little more relaxed. And I do think that translates as songwriting because I can sit down and be like, I want to write a song about an old man in the woods or whatever, and that will never happen. Whereas if I just kind of sit down and allow myself to breathe a little bit usually that's how I end up writing that's when I relax it's funny you describe finishing a record or finishing the recording at least mm -hmm. of the album and then immediately go wanting to get into other areas do you find that when you finish a record and it enters the more commercial phase of the mm -hmm. project right like packaging and releasing and all yeah. that stuff is there something about it that that that's a difficult time, right? Because you, you've had yeah. to, you've put all the music to bed, and that's maybe the easy part, mm -hmm. and then the business part takes over. How do you deal with that? Yeah, and I get a little bit of letdown. Like, I was really happy to have finally recorded all these songs, and because um, it had just been so long, I th I'm sure I was a nightmare to live with, because I was like, I have no purpose. Uh, what am I even doing? And like, Finally, when I was done with it, I almost immediately went to, well, now what? <laughs> it's yeah. like a really annoying behavior. But um, it's exciting because I get to actually go play songs and do the thing that I want to do again. And like, and I even enjoy doing like the interview cycle. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's so hard when this cycle starts. But it's, it's fun. And who doesn't like talking about themselves, I guess? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, you so. just touched on something that I think a lot about, which is the question of purpose, right? Like mm -hmm. you said, when you're making a record, you have purpose. Yeah. Is that something you found in your life? Um, and I guess I'd like to go back. When you were young, 
Did you always know this? Was there an epiphany moment that you knew that you wanted to make things as your living, as your mm -hmm. vocation? Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of that is just the way my life has sort of turned out. Not that I'm like done with my life, but the way my developmental years turned out, I, it was really out of necessity because I didn't, I wasn't a very skilled or motivated teenager. And there was a lot of like turmoil going on when I was a teenager, particularly. Um, so it's, I just didn't have a lot of options. You know, I didn't really go to school at all. So when I was a teenager, like high school, I, yeah, like I was homeschooled for my whole life. But when I was a teenager, everything kind of like went to shit in my family home for a while. So I just wasn't even doing anything but like reading psychology and old books about punk rockers and being like, Oh, I'll be a poet or whatever. Like, I don't know. I wasn't really very good at anything. So isn't it, it funny how we, we say to be a poet as if it's such a gross, <laughs> embarrassing... Yeah, it's actually pretty amazing. Yeah. Thing. There was a time, right, when being a poet was, like, lauded and, yeah. and rewarded. Yeah. And now it's like we have to find a way to be a poet, but don't tell anyone. Don't are. tell anyone. Well, no, I write fucking songs. As I sit crazy. here in my beret and fucking sweater, but yeah. <laughs> Listeners at Jazz, home. baby. Lydia does have a beret and a <laughs> turtleneck sweater right, right now. All black. Yeah. So I just, I mean, I wasn't good at like keeping jobs. My, actually my friend who's here with me got me my first job at Barnes and Noble where I worked for four days and I got fired because <laughs> that was so awkward. And, um, I'm sure my parents were just like, Oh, why can't we return this one? But oh. I don't know. <laughs> when did you write, when did you, yeah. when did you write your first song? I mean, I imagine there were poems before it. But. Yeah. I mean, my first real song that I wrote that I liked was, I think I was like 15 when I wrote that one. Well, that's the time, isn't it? 15. Yeah. Puberty and adolescence and. Yeah. Just full of bubbling emotions. Oh, <laughs> so it's amazing. Gross. We survived those <laughs> years. Yeah. Yeah. Those were like the worst. Probably 15 was like the absolute worst year of my life. And like, I really have not gone to that. Like I'm getting a divorce now and it's nowhere near as dark as like being 15. I would never want to do that again. And So you responded to that year and the turmoil and the agony of it by writing songs. I'm assuming as sort of a form of therapy, right? Yeah. And um, I guess one thing that I like to talk about in these conversations with people is the idea of sort of self-imposed obstacles. Like, mm -hmm. um, I mean, you and I have talked about this before anyway, because I know we, we both have struggled with it, but the negative voices in your head, mm -hmm. the sort of the, um, I don't know, those feelings of shame that we carry around, the feeling of um, like imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. Uh, like how, how do you feel like those have helped you? And how do you feel like you've been able to overcome them to achieve the success you have as an artist? Because I really mm -hmm. think you write great songs and you're an incredible performer. Thank you. I mean, definitely when I was, when I was younger, it, I think that drove me a lot more to feel like I had something to prove. And then in the past couple of years, it's kind of hindered me a little bit to feel like, well, do I even belong in this world that I am in? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. And a lot of that is just like, I think I toured so hard from like 19 to like, 26 that I never had time to think about it. And then the past couple of years of like slowing down and trying to be a little more methodical about things, it's been a lot harder to um, 
consider myself a songwriter, which is strange. Like, I know I am because I've written songs and it's my job, but then I'm like, well, am I a songwriter if I don't wake up every morning and like smoke my pipe and buy the fireplace and crank out 10 songs? Like, you have to kind of recreate yourself every time you go into a new creative process. So, I don't know if what I'm saying makes any sense, but um. it does. I think, I think in a way, it's a version of that imposter syndrome, right? It's like mm-hmm. we have this idea of who we're supposed to be to mm-hmm. to have this cool job that we have because our job is cool. I mean, my kids don't think it's cool; they think it's right. so lame. But and you know, but it is pretty cool. <laughs> but so then, but then we wonder, like, if we don't, like, I know for me, um, I. I've, I tried not to talk about it for a long time because I think it's annoying, but I've stopped drinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of feel like, well, who am I if I walk into this nightclub and I dance around on stage sober? Like, yeah. what a fucking loser am I? <laughs> but so it's like, to, you, and I think the way you put it is great. Like when you're young, this image of yourself as being tortured and unhappy is kind of useful because you use it to drive you on but then at a certain point it can become a hindrance so it's funny because you you're a lot younger than me and um and you really started doing this at a precocious age Mm -hmm. so you're just now kind of entering this space where you have to sort of live with the reality of who you are and the job of being an actual adult art because i feel like when i was still growing and like when people talk about like how my second album was like the greatest thing I ever did. And I'm like, Oh God, I have to top that now. It's like, and I always say like, I'm 30 now. And everyone's like, you're not fucking 30. You don't get to be 30 for two more years. But like, I've just round up and skip ahead all the time. But, um, I don't know. It's just, it's like, I, I want to make music that sounds like a, a woman adult person. But then I'm like, what does that mean? It's boring and like Starbucks music. I don't know. And then in navigating, you know, maturing too, like not, not feeling the need to drink until 7am and, and feel like shit and just kind of grow comfortable with yourself, which I've never been particularly good at that. But in the past year or so, I've really settled into like, Oh, this is who I am. So how do I translate that to my art and my my performances and my job like I don't like is it going to be okay if I don't jump off the drum riser and have to go to the hospital if I just like play my fucking songs and do that I know that feeling (laughs) so when you say that you want to make music that sounds like a woman do you do you think that that means you you want to give yourself permission to do that or you're, you're trying to sort of calculate that this is who you think you should be yeah no I think it's more permission because I don't really feel like I've made any deliberate attempts to change my music, but I've I've developed a lot more tools than I had when I first started and just wanted to like get the studio over with and get it done as soon as possible and and kind of call out all the people who had wronged me in my lyrics and now it's like how can I be a little more like <laughs> subtle about this without, you know, kind of kind of losing all the things that make my music what it is, I guess. I remember that a lot from my own early years, and you just sort of referenced it, that feeling of impatience. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I remember being so, it's only very recently that I feel like I've overcome that. So impatient as a young mm-hmm. artist, like, come on, come on, we got to do this now. Like there was an expiration date that they were going to kick us out yeah. of the club soon. I mean, you're 28 years old now. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you feel like you're just now sort of getting to the point where you can let it breathe a little bit? Are you still impatient? I mean, I, I'm definitely impatient for the creative process to sort of spark, but I, I try, cause I try not to wait around anymore for inspiration, which is what I would do when I was younger, but I was always inspired because I was always breaking up with someone or always falling in love with someone and always kind of like, in a just an emotional mess. And like now I can't function like that anymore. Like I, um, I mean, I started taking antidepressants to like just get my shit together because I can't function. <laughs> like if I'm crying all day and like watching 30 Rock to soothe myself <laughs> or whatever, like it has to be sort of, it has to come from a place of like wanting to create art. So slowing down is like a whole new thing for me, but it feels so much better. And I think, I think the stuff that I'm making now is much better. Well, I think one of the things that goes hand in hand with us trying to have this image and try, or trying to overcome this sort of self-created image of what our job should be is the recognition that it's a craft, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't just wait for lightning to strike you and then you write a song, yeah. right? You can you can invite the muse in, mm-hmm. but but it's that. I mean, you I know I know that you work hard. I've been mm-hmm. on tour with you before, but sometimes you just don't give yourself credit for all that hard work, right? You think it's oh just, yeah. I mean, I'm the last person who will ever say a good word about myself, I think. Oh, yeah. That makes me sad, Liv. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm working on it. I bet you're on tour with my boyfriend right now. So I'm sure if he's ever mentioned that, yeah, my constant stream of negativity regarding myself. But yeah, like, I'm working on it. So. I feel like all artists really <laughs> deal with that. And, and I've done this now. I've had conversations with you know quite a few people. And... It's hard. I mean, even people mm-hmm. that you think are really successful and wouldn't have self-doubt or you know, that kind of just the negative mm-hmm. voices constantly going in their head. All of us have it. Yeah. It's funny. One thing, and I don't know, I don't know that this has applied to me very much or if it's something you've encountered, but, you know, some people talk about even the um, success guilt. Like when mm-hmm. good things do happen to us, we find a way to turn that yeah. into a negative thing too. Yeah. I mean, do you have friends that that come to you and say, oh, my God, you should be grateful for how well you've done? And Yeah, definitely. It's a weird thing. Yeah. I mean, and there's always the person who will be like, oh, whatever. Oh, you're still lit or whatever. But, I mean, those are those are just like the knock you down a peg or two comments. But most people are, yeah, there's definitely always the person who's like, can't you just shut up and appreciate what you have? <laughs> and it's like I should, but I don't I think time it's just strange getting older and how, and how time changes and your perspective of time changes. And this is probably getting a little too, uh, I'm going to sound like I smoked a big long or For something, the but like, did not. <laughs> I did not, this is just me. Um, but yeah, when I was a kid and you were talking about impatience, it was, it was also like, Oh, I'm going to get old. And like, I won't be like the young female rocker and I, I better hurry up and like solidify this place. And then something that I really appreciate now is that when you make art that is entirely what you want to do, you can change at any time and kind of do whatever you want. And like that might not necessarily make you a millionaire, but it's kind of interesting to know that I'll probably always have some semblance of a career at this point. 
I might be broke, but I'll I'll get to continue doing what I want to do at this point, I think. Maybe that's, that's a little too arrogant, but I don't no, know. No, no, that's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's that's a realistic uh, thing that you can accept now about yourself. Mm-hmm. You've worked really hard, and I, I think that's a great thing to say, too, is that I may not ever be rich, and you're mm-hmm. not going to kill yourself or compromise yourself mm-hmm. to be rich, but by working hard, you can guarantee that you have some level of a career. Yeah. That's great. Um, so finally, if you were to meet, and and a lot of the people I've interviewed so far have been more my age, which mm-hmm. is a full generation older than you. Um, if you were to meet a 21-year-old version of yourself um, working in the world today, but in, obviously in today's market, mm-hmm. which I don't know if it's that much different from seven years ago for you, what advice would you give yourself? I mean, I think it feels a lot different to me. I think things have really changed, especially since I was 21. I mean, I would definitely tell myself to probably have a little more respect. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true because I think part of what protected me was not giving a shit about anyone because being a young woman, there were so many people that were just like, you suck and you must be like, literally you must be blowing people for that bloodshot records contract or whatever. And you're like, Jesus, like I've worked really hard for this, but you don't want to be like, I've worked really hard. So it's more like, I don't know if I would have much advice for myself other than like, you know, be careful and, and kind of stay a little safer, but maybe don't do drugs. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I guess probably maybe don't get married at 20, but I guess by 21, that would have been too late. <laughs> so I think all the advice I would have had for 21 would have fallen on deaf ears. So I don't know. Well, that's the great irony, isn't it? It's like we can imagine <laughs> yeah. what we would tell ourselves, but then we can also imagine our 21-year-old self just shooting the finger in our face and right. turning around and walking off. Well, I'm really proud of you. I mean, I've known you, you since you were... I mean, I don't say that to take any credit, obviously. Yeah. Um, I just I just think it's really fun. I know how hard it is to survive um, precociousness or, you know, being mm-hmm. a, a prodigy. And um, that feeling of, is growing up going to take away all my value? Mm-hmm. Uh, you sort of alluded to that. Yeah. Um, and obviously it hasn't. And I really think that, I mean, I think that the kind of music that you make is... there. They're going to let you grow old doing this, and that's got to mm-hmm. be a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think you're great, Lydia. Thanks for talking Thank to me. Thank you. All right, Lydia Loveless. All right. <laughs> Woo! All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also... As the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to 
actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now.